It's okay to not be okay. Just make sure when you know you're not okay, you reach out. Someone will always be there. Welcome to Heal, conversations to guide you toward personal growth and overall well-being. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Heal. Today, I am sitting with Erin Wall, who is an author. She wrote a book about how she found success after dealing with a psychotic break. I am so excited to hear about your story. Welcome to our podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited about talking about this, my journey, my book, and everything in between. I know that this story is probably going to help many Um, if they're tuning in. So tell me everything. Start from whenever, wherever, and however you want. I'd love to hear your background and how you got to this point where you were able to write a story about your story. (laughs) For lack of of a better word. Okay, well, uh, the psychotic break started when I was 23. So uh, 2017. Uh, I was dating a guy at the time. Uh, I loved him, head over heels in love with him, wanted to marry him. That's exactly what I was going to do. We had a lot of ups and downs in our relationship. Um, Like he didn't really want a girlfriend when we started dating. I kind of coerced him into dating me. Uh, Three years later, he didn't really want to get married, but I wanted to get married. So I tried to coerce him into that as well. It didn't end well. Uh, We kind of agreed that I was going to join the Navy because if you join the Navy as an officer, because at that time I had gotten my bachelor's degree, then you make a lot of money. And he didn't really want to marry somebody unless they made a lot of money. Okay, wait a minute. So let's go back a little bit. Are you willing to to bring me before 2017? Um, I'm curious uh, if you're willing and if you're not willing to say no. (laughs) I have a question. Before 2017, when you met this guy and was dating, were dating this guy, um, what were you like? Why, why do you, have you, have you explored the reasons why you felt the need to coerce him into the relationship? Um, I think I wasn't the healthiest I could have been. Uh, but I didn't know uh, that I was bipolar and I didn't have a psychotic break until 2017. But when I was younger, I, I write about this in my book. I have like a, a facts section at the end. Yeah. But when I was younger, I was a part of a statistic. And this statistic is uh, young women or young girls, they're diagnosed ADHD when in reality, they're actually bipolar. And I was part of that statistic I was diagnosed ADHD when I was I think four ish mm-hmm. and I went wow that's very early for a female well I'm not ADHD. I'm not sure maybe it yeah. might have been six like I I still I still think that's kind of yeah. early I mean I, don't I, have I, a I was memory. a teacher for 16 years and just in that experience so I'm not an expert but just with my experience in that um you know we see a lot of boys with the typical 
ADHD behaviors and girls we see often, but not, I don't know that doctors or neuroscience, neuropsychs, um, it's interesting. It's shifted since then. I'm imagining what, what year that was, but these days, I think if a teacher or a parent had concerns, then it would be, it would be pushed through faster. But for girls, it rarely do we see the inattentiveness and the um, executive functioning. Um, I mean, we see it, don't get me wrong, <laughs> but that's so interesting that you were so young and diagnosed, whether it was four or six, it's still young, I think for females. Well, I mean, I'm not exactly sure. After When I got out of psychosis, I have a very bad memory in general, but I don't really remember anything before 18. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So do you, why do you think that is? Did you ever think about why? Well, I have a bad memory in general, but when I was in psychosis, my brain shut down, literally. So, you know, it's it's hard to rebuild and... A lot of my memories have been lost. And when you lose memories, you know, you also lose memories that you didn't want to lose. So unfortunately, right. I have a lot of bad memories that I remember, and I don't have a lot of good memories, unfortunately. Right. So you have memories that might have been good, but you lost them. Yeah. Can you, can you define this when you say when I was in psychosis? What do you mean by that? Um, you can give me a very general definition of what it was like for you uh so psychosis simply is just a disconnection from reality so um you're there but uh you're hallucinating you're seeing things you're schizophrenic uh one thing i've learned is that when you're in psychosis you have schizophrenic symptoms but schizophrenia can stand on its own whereas psychosis always has schizophrenia symptoms in it and everyone's psychosis can be similar, but everyone's psychosis, psychosis experience is different. So you were living your life, having a psychotic break. Make sure that I'm correctly um, phrasing this. Please feel free to correct me. Um, so you were living your life and you were in the midst of a psychotic break while in this relationship and pursuing this person and hoping that they marry you and all of that stuff. No, I was trying to get there. Uh, so oh, did I interrupt you and ask too many questions? <laughs> no, no, it's fine. No, it's fine. Don't it's worry. It's what I do. Uh, <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, so him and I decided we were going to, I was going to join the Navy. So I did. But right before I left, we got into a huge fight and we broke up. But he thought I wasn't going to go to OCS Officer Candidate School for the Navy anymore. But I texted him one time because we still talked every now and then. I was like, hey, this is when I'm leaving. And he was like taking it back because he thought I wasn't going to go. Mm -hmm. Of course, he wanted to get back together with me. Um, so I went to visit him in Chicago like a week or so before I left for the Navy. And on that trip is when I took acid which is what caused the psychotic break. Yeah. So do you have any recollection of that experience? Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I remember, uh, I think I had an ass, a horrible acid trip. It's, this is all in the book for like 14 hours. Um, I would see things like coming off the walls. I would, close my eyes and my favorite show ever is friends I'm actually wearing a friend's shirt oh, you are <laughs> um 
my favorite show ever is Friends. I would close my eyes and I would see the series go over in my head like a thousand times. Um, there was one time I tried to throw up because I was like, oh, if I throw up, then this will this won't be happening anymore. Right. Um, I made the mistake of looking in my pupils and my pupils were like two times as the size that they were supposed to be. Uh, my boyfriend told me that I didn't speak normal until like 6 a.m. the next morning. Uh, I also stripped naked and sat on the bathroom floor crying and um, wrapped myself in our bed comforter. I mean, it was just, it was not a fun night at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the next day I was sort of fine, but not really. I was still feeling iffy, but I was okay. Mm-hmm. So I decided, okay, I'm good enough to go to OCS still. It's just a one night thing. It's fine. But then I went to OCS and I started derealizing, which derealization is when you're aware enough to discern reality from psychosis, but you're in a heightened anxiety state. So I was there. I was seeing things. I was, uh, my head felt like really fuzzy, like I was in a fuzzy dream. And but I was going in and out of reality and derealization. So it was just a really, it was a really weird time. Um, but somehow I made it through uh, a PFT, which is a physical fitness test. Mm-hmm. And I made it through my swim qualification so I was like if I can do that when I'm freaking the hell out like I could do anything because I had to do like a high dive and like a swim and I had to prone float it was a whole big oh my gosh I can't even swim I don't know like just hearing you say all that stuff gives me anxiety yeah yeah it wasn't that fun (sighs) it doesn't that doesn't sound fun (laughs) so you went through your training and you were in the navy no, uh, so it got really, really bad. Um, yeah. I would stay up. <clears throat> I didn't, I think when I was in psychosis, I didn't sleep for like a month and a half. So at night I would have these racing thoughts in my head. Whereas, cause my dad, he helped me get into the Navy. He helped me, uh, cause he was in the Navy for 29 years. He helped me get interviews. So I was like, my dad helped me get here. So I'm not supposed to be here. Um, another one was I'm going to get all of the recruits sick and be the cause of everyone's death because, um, there, they always preached, uh, pink eye, don't touch your eye, wash your hands, don't do Mm -hmm. this because pink eye spreads like wildfire and you're going to get everybody sick. And, you know, that's a normal thing for someone like, okay, that's fine. But in someone who's in a heightened anxiety state, your brain switches it to something a lot more serious. Mm -hmm. So, I would sit in my bed at night, well, lay in my bed, but it felt like I was sitting. Yeah. Um, my brain would just be on a loop, constant loop. Yeah. I'm going to kill everyone here. Not like literally, but with like your illness, with your sickness. Sick. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not supposed to be here. My dad helped me get here. Um, it got so, I got, it got so bad. I was at OCS for 10 days mm-hmm. and On like the fifth or sixth day, I went to an officer because the beauty of OCS and the difference between officer cannon school and uh, regular boot camp is that it's 
voluntary. So you can stop. I see. Okay. So that's yeah. where I was confused. I thought you were going, okay. So it was just officer candidacy school. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I went to a officer, uh, I went to his, uh, office and I think he got upset with me because I, I didn't, uh, like say hello sir or whatever yeah. but I told him I want to drop out I don't want to do this anymore mm -hmm. so when you drop out at OCS you get put in like a, a holding area while they process you out and everything so I was put into that uh I got my cell phone back uh, I was able to call my mother call my dad text my family uh, I remember hiding in my closet and telling my mom i I did ecstasy, except the XCC didn't really do anything. Uh, I eventually told her that I did acid. I freaked them out. Uh, my mom texted the group chat with my dad and I saying something about getting on a plane. And I was like, what? No, you're not supposed to come here, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, um, wasn't meant to send that to you. I don't know what's, what you're talking about. <laughs> but she came the next day. Uh, she flew from California to Rhode Island to pick me up at OCS. And no one in the face of the planet has ever been able to do that before. So my dad had very, very strong connections in the Navy world for my mother to be able to do that. And then a few hours later, my grandma joined her. So, you know, they took me away from OCS and they took me to a hotel so I could get kind of some normalcy. But I was still very far gone. Um, one thing when you're in, well, when I'm in psychosis, like I said, everybody's different. Um, I did not shower. I was afraid to shower. I thought uh, that the shower was going to like kill me. Um, I would like look down at the drain and I would think that it would grind me up like one of those tree wood chippers. Uh, That's so interesting. Yeah, it's, it's crazy how when you're in that state, what your mind can change what yeah. you're seeing. Yeah, complete yeah, fear. So, you're in complete fear of everything around you. Mm -hmm. It's a heightened, well, it's an uncontrollable state of anxiety. So, I mean, I would try and shower, like my mom would force me but it would take me two hours or I would be like, mom, I don't want to do this. And I would walk out of the bathroom like naked and she would be like, Aaron, go, go back into the shower. Right, so right. something so simple, you know, hygiene is something that scares you that you can't do. So that's one thing I know for me is if I'm losing interest in being hygienic, then that's not a good sign. That's a sign that I'm not doing well. So now that you're on the other side of this, you realize that that's kind of a red flag for yourself. Yeah, that's it's yeah. one of them. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So after this whole experience, um, at what point did you decide to write a book? I mean, um, I'm sure there's more. <laughs> Is there more? <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's a lot. Uh, yeah. So it took me a very long time to fully recover. Um, I was in the hospital, the mental hospital, for about six weeks off and on. So the first time I went in, I was there for about three weeks. Uh, mental hospital is not fun. It's hallucinating again. Um, seeing very scary things. Uh, both seeing hallucinating very scary things. Uh, and I got out. If 
like a three weeks in, but we made the mistake of lowering my medication too fast. So a week went by and I was right back in the hospital. I feel like that's something that you learn as you go too. You have to play around with the right meds in order to regulate, Mm -hmm. you know, and you just don't know what's right until you know, right? Yeah. My sister and my mother were very, very good with that. They did research all the time about like what medication to give me, what was best. But there's also one nurse at the hospital who was very, very important in my recovery because she noticed that I was catatonic, which catatonic means that you are sitting there and you're doing something like my parents and my sister would be there and we would be playing cards and I would have a card and I would set my card down. But while I was doing that, I would just freeze and I would just freeze in place. And you weren't having any seizures or anything. You were just catatonic, just frozen. No seizures or anything. No, just frozen in place. Yeah, uh, I couldn't tell you what was going on in my mind at that time. But, you know, my parents and my sister, they saw me just not moving. Um, and it wasn't forever, but it was, just, and, I mean, I could never see it happen, but it was just a moment or a few seconds of where you just freeze and then you're like, oh, okay, now I can move again. That's really interesting. Yeah. So it was uh, October 31st, Halloween of 2017, which is the day that I got out of the hospital the second time. So it's been five years. Um, recovery has not been easy. I mean, I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's gotten easier over time. I mean, I'm not, I'm not medicated anymore. Actually, I'm just on as needed medication. I was medicated for a very long time. I was on lithium, but lithium was making me sick, so sick to the point that I thought that I had cancer. So I was like, um, I'm not going to take this medication anymore. Mm-hmm. And I found that I realized the culprit of my issues was my anxiety. So I'm on anxiety as needed medication and I have trouble sleeping. So I haven't really been able to sleep well since I left the hospital. I'll have to continue to work on that. Mm-hmm but I have as needed sleeping pills as well. Do you um, find them the less sleep you get, the 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 da- more danger you are getting closer to feeling anxious or dysregulated or whatever? If you have less sleep, like, do you, do you find a difference? Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, so I didn't, when I was in psychosis, I didn't sleep for like a month and a half. Yeah, a I remember you saying that, yeah. yeah. But no, sleep is 100% one of the most important factors in mental health like if you're not well rested or if you're not well fed then you know your brain cannot function properly it's a Mm -hmm. it's a muscle you know your Mm -hmm. brain is a muscle so you have to properly take care of it by properly resting and properly fueling it yeah yeah that's so interesting too yeah go ahead um I mean I don't know where I was but oh yeah recovery so it took a very long time for me to recover. Um, I was not talkative at all uh, when I first got out of psychosis. Like, if you asked me to have a conversation like this a month after I had left the hospital, I would have said, heck no, not doing that ever. Uh, I mean, it's been five years, but, you know, every day you still have to, like, go towards getting better every single day. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can imagine that because... um 
really, I mean, you can sleep, you can take your medicine if you're, if you're required to, you can um, give your body proper nutrition and do everything, but there's no telling, I guess, when, I mean, that's the whole thing with anxiety. It kind of just comes up when you don't really expect it. Sometimes you're like, what am I even feeling anxious about? You have no idea, but your body and your mind are anxious. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, I have derealized again since I've been in, since I've been out of psychosis. I've had the derealization moments, but I've never, ever been close to another psychotic break. Mm -hmm. But since I've been in one, my brain is susceptible to it. So yeah. it's not like I live my entire life in fear of going into psychosis again right. because I can't. But I, ha I also have to realize that since I had that psychotic break, the potential to go back into psychosis is always going to be there. Mm -hmm. So I have to live my life not in fear of that, but knowing that. Right. So, okay. At what point did you decide to write a book? I don't really know. <laughs> I think after it took about a year or two to get like well in recovery. And I think I always knew that I could do something with the story. Um, yeah, I think about a year or two after recovery. So 2019, I was like, I could write a book about it. But I was also doing other things. Uh, you know, I had gotten married. Um, unfortunately, I'm getting a divorce now. Uh, my husband had gone on deployment. Um, I started a new job. It just wasn't the right time. Um, I started, I got my master's degree in project management. Uh, so it's just, it, it was something I wanted to do for a while, but I didn't ever find the time. Yeah. But I started writing it, uh, like a year ago. Yeah. It took eight months to write it, eight nice. or give or take eight months. So it's not like it took a while. Um, but I just knew that my story would help somebody. Yeah, I was so, going to ask you. So the audience for this book, would it be anyone who has maybe a parent who has a child who has um, has experience with the same situation or maybe someone themselves? So who would you recommend your story for? Anybody? Or is there a specific group of people? I mean, I think anybody could read it because it is one of those recovery, feel good, uh, re kind of religious, uh, overcoming obstacle story. Yeah. But I feel like the people who would benefit most from it are people who have dealt with people who have had mental health issues or people who have mental health issues themselves and have gotten through it. A few weeks ago, actually, I got a direct message from somebody who had read my book, who I actually went, uh, she was in a group with me actually in my recovery. Uh -huh. So when I left the hospital, I was put in a program. It's called the care program uh -huh. in San Diego. And I was in a, like, a group, which was, they also helped me like learn, relearn social skills and learn how to hold a conversation. And she was in that group. And we chatted every now and then. I think we got ice cream once and hung out. And she read my book and she messaged me. She was like, um, I'm so glad you wrote this. It's so yeah. similar to things that I have been through. Yeah. Uh, we've experienced a lot of the similar, of the same things. I wrote, uh, she has a blog about her, uh, what she's gone through. And yeah. she, I think she said that she was proud of me. So, I mean, 
that's kind of the goal. I want my story to be able to help people, whoever they are, because I mean, mental health issues are so common that, you know, you could be standing next to someone that you would never think would be bipolar or have BPD or depression. And then it it could be everybody that you're around and you never know. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's definitely more prevalent now. At least there's definitely more um, education around it, thankfully. So, um, and I feel like the stigma of mental illness has also shifted. um, So it's not negative that much anymore. I guess it depends on where you live, but I don't feel that it is. Um, And I'm sure that that book will definitely help someone, whether it's a parent with a child who has some who's suffering with mental illness and or someone themselves who knows that their story um, sounds a little bit like yours and, and reading your story and knowing that they can overcome and they can have a normal life if they feel like they're not now. So what are you doing now? Tomorrow, I actually start at the post office. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. You're excited I'm- about that? Yeah, I mean, I really, really need the money. I'm excited about it, the, but the money is going to be really nice. I'm going to be a rural carrier. Uh, so the cool thing about a rural carrier is that you get to use your own vehicle. So I'm going to be reimbursed uh, right under a dollar for every mile great. I drive. So I'm going to get like 500 extra dollars a week just from. That's great. Yeah, for you. just from driving. Yeah. So That's exciting. Excited. So tell everyone the exact name of your book. Uh, it's called. I know it's a little long. Yeah, but I figured I'll long. let you do it so I don't mess it up. <laughs> it's called Finding Success After Failure, How Psychosis Made Me and Did Not Break Me. I love it. And <laughs> is it available in many places like Amazon or is it uh, do you have like what do you have? A, uh, where is it available? Right now it's available on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. Awesome. Okay. Let me write that down. Yeah, it's uh, more expensive on Amazon. It's like $17.40 on Amazon, but it's $15.99 on Barnes and Noble. Good to know. We want to save a little money. Go to barnesandnoble.com, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is there anything else that you want to share with the listeners before I ask you my three questions that I ask everybody? I mean, one thing I've been trying to end with is this statement that it's okay to not be okay. And yeah, people need to realize that because for the longest time, I was such a perfectionist. Everything I did have to be had to be perfect. I planned out every moment of my life. And if it didn't go to plan, I would have anxiety or I would have a panic attack. Of course. Yeah. So I just feel like other people might be like that. So I people need to know that it's okay to not be okay. Just have not, not every situation is going to go the way that you wanted to. And it's actually better to to have some things not go the way that you expect yeah. them to. So you could then practice being flexible in your mm-hmm. thinking. So yeah, that's really important. Yeah, I've learned. Well, I'm trying to learn that. You know, we you just are. have <laughs> Yeah, you have to let yourself feel or you have to let yourself just let life happen and you know, go through the mud. <laughs> get through it and then 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 be okay after I agree excuse me all right I'm gonna ask you three questions but I just gotta take one second give me one second
Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I just had a bit of a coughing attack. Yeah, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm sure I don't sound fine. Okay, here are my questions. When you're feeling most peaceful, what is it that you're doing? Driving. I know that sounds weird, but... <laughs> It doesn't sound weird to me. I love driving. It's one of my favorite things to do. Yeah, I mean, when I'm driving down back roads, blasting music, screaming. Same. <laughs> uh, screaming, singing at the top of my lungs. It's like, okay, this is this is heaven. <laughs> That's, That's so funny. I love, I love I that. Love it's one of my favorite things to do. If you could... <clears throat> Recommend a book for our listeners, maybe one that's changed your life, whether it's yours or another, what would it be? Oh, let me look it up really quick. Um, it's a book I literally just read. Um, it's about attachment styles because I realized that I have a very interesting attachment style. Um, it's It's called an anxious attachment style. Oh, okay. I haven't heard that before. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's called the attachment theory workbook by David Lawson. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, he's a doctor. <laughs> that sounds uh, really interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just a, a workbook. It helps you figure out what your attachment style is, uh, how you love, uh, how that works in your friendships, everything. And it just shows you who would be your a best match for you based on your attachment style and how you can work through getting from an anxious attachment style, which is uh, insecure. Mm -hmm. So an insecure attachment style is an anxious attachment style, kind of where you believe everybody is going to abandon you or you don't have like strong relationships. That is me uh, to get from a point that to a, secure attachment style so that book has actually been very very it sounds really interesting and really helpful yeah, yeah. any book, book where you can learn more about yourself mm -hmm. I think is is a great book yeah you know you're learn about your learning learn about your healing all right last question you ready <clears throat> no <laughs> too bad all right <laughs> if money wasn't an object what would you be doing with your life if money wasn't an object, I <laughs> yeah. would, I would be, uh, oh, actually, uh, like if you had a lot of money or. Like if you had the means to do anything you wanted and you didn't have to rely on your income because you had all the money in the world. Oh, okay. <laughs> if I had all the money in the world, I would uh, probably. Well, I'd probably do two things. I would probably just go to school for life because I love learning. Same, yeah. Um, if my book sells a lot, pops off, I actually plan to get my PhD, my doctorate in psychology because I want to be a psychotherapist. I feel like I would, I might be good at that. Um, another thing I would do is I would run a nonprofit. That's another plan I have for my book. Uh, take the funds, start a nonprofit. This would be centered around uh, fitting the bill for somebody who goes to the hospital who is treated for psychosis and schizophrenia symptoms, but they don't have the money 
uh, to cover it or their insurance. Uh, we need something like that desperately because there, and they, people need resources. People know what they can do <clears throat> and who they can contact and they need to know grants and aid and, and they need to know, like people need to know this stuff. So you should just start doing that now. I don't have the money for it. <laughs> ah, well, once you get your job, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's the plan. Uh, Good. I'm starting a promotion. Uh, I'm doing a press release, which will hopefully help with some sales. And hopefully this will help with some sales yeah. and some of the other podcasts that I've done. But no, I have big plans for uh, for a lot. I just don't have the money. <laughs> and here's the thing. I do sp- firmly believe that when people go through stuff like that, um, something very um, <clears throat> life-changing that they're meant to, so they can help others. So just yeah. keep going because you'll get there. Yeah. That's actually what I told my family. I told my parents one night that I think God put me through this because I was meant to help other people. Yes, exactly. Gone through the same thing. <laughs> and just, and just guesting on podcasts, help other people. Writing that book helps other people, you know, so Maybe you should start your own podcast too. I've thought about that, but I don't want to put too much on my plate right now. Yeah, don't put too much on your plate. You yeah. go ahead. Good luck at your new job though. I think you're going to be fabulous and you're going to be driving. So that'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I can just go around blasting music. <laughs> that sounds like really fun, honestly. It does. And I thank you so much for your time and coming on and guesting on our podcast. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. It was very nice to meet you. Very nice to meet you. And everyone who's listening, I'll make sure that I have her social media link to her TikTok and her Facebook, if that's okay with you, Erin. Yeah, 100%. Okay, and um, I'll share the name of her book in the podcast notes and anything else that I have here from Erin. And thanks again, Erin. And everyone else, I'll be back in just two minutes. Thanks so much. If you're in the Mansfield, Massachusetts area and are looking for a space for yoga, meditation, great workshops, and life coaching support, check out Mainstream Coaching and Wellness. Mainstream even has a couple of virtual options if you don't live close by. Check out their offerings at MainstreamMeditation.com. You can also follow Mainstream Coaching and Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. The name is Mainstream Coaching and Wellness. And here I am. I am back, just came back to say one more time, thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited that you enjoy this podcast and keep coming back for more. We can't wait to see you next time. But until then, may you be happy, healthy, safe, and live a life that's filled with ease. Thank you. Bye. Bye.